Google, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello and welcome to the first ever Bugle of 2008. It's issue 11 of the Bugle, that's not including issue 10A. It's issue 11 uh, for the week beginning the 7th of January with me, Andy Zaltzman in London and in New York City, John Oliver. Happy New Year, world. Happy New Year. Although I realise in the current climate that could sound a little sarcastic. Yes, it is uh, New Year. We are all one numerical year closer to the annihilating chasm of death. But on the positive side, some sections of the bugle, as always, are going straight in the bin, including a special eating supplement with new ideas on how to bite, chew and swallow a range of foods from raw cabbage all the way to the latest celebrity chef recipe, frightened lobster in an abusive snout sauce. Also in the bin, the Bugle's audio calendar. Sadly, Tom, our producer, hadn't heard about Britain adopting the Gregorian calendar to replace the old Julian calendar back in 1752. There he is, still excited about Christmas. Review of the Year 2008. So, Andy, I mean, I guess it's time now to look back on the year 2008 and really try and put it in some kind of context. How have you found 2008 to be? Well, it's been low grade so far, John. I had so many high hopes for 2008. You know, it's the first year whose numbers add up to 10 since the year 1900. So I was really looking forward to it on those grounds, uh, if nothing else. But... It's not started well. It's been kind of like uh, a football match when your star player has scored an own goal in the first minute and then been sent off for urinating on the referee. That's how I see 2008 so far. I thought the British and their tendency towards binge drinking really started the year as they meant to go on. As uh, a report uh, told us that on New Year's Eve there was a call to an ambulance every eight seconds. And what better way to ring in the New Year than with virtual self-annihilation. <laughs> you know, in history, Andy, early Babylonians would celebrate New Year by returning borrowed farm equipment. The ancient Greeks would parade around with a baby in a basket to symbolise new life. Hindus paid respect to their elders and sought their blessings. And now look at us. We're more likely to wake up in Nottingham General Hospital with a stomach pump in our mouth. <laughs> and that's a bad start of the year, unless your New Year's resolution was waking up in more hospitals. In which case, I, I stand corrected. Good start. <laughs> All in all, John, with the year so far, oil hitting $100 a barrel, chaos around the world, the environment's already failed in its New Year resolution to be absolutely fine again. Rail chaos in Britain. Really, I'd give this year one star, and I would advise anyone currently living in it to get out of it as quickly as possible. What? Just get out of the world? Get out of the year and come back at the start of next year and hope it's a better one. Well, like uh, hibernation, is that what you'd advise? Yeah, well, it's like if you're watching a bad film, you leave, and I think you no. should do with the same 2008. Wrong, Andy. I did not have that attitude towards films. Any film, if I've started it, I will see that film through. <laughs> I will not be beaten by a film. Even Teen Wolf 2. Especially Teen Wolf 2, and that was not a bad film, so I don't know, that's a bad reference. Top story this week, and what could well become the highlight of the year, is the big race to the biggest prize in world politics is underway. Uh, by the end of 2008, America should have a 44th president. Although, let's not count our chickens just yet. <laughs> the US election has begun. The Iowa caucus uh, was recently completed, and it is estimated that each candidate will have spent around $200 per vote 
in Iowa. And by the end of the year, over $1 billion will have been spent manipulating the true will of the people. That is platinum democracy, Andy. <laughs> America are about to get a lot of bang for their devalued buck. <laughs> So the race is on to become the 44th US president and also the winner of a commemorative silver salver. In the early running, Barack Obama and Mike Huckabee have been jointly elected presidents of Iowa. John, what signals does this give for the rest of the race? Perhaps you can just inform me and everyone else in Britain who literally doesn't understand how this ridiculous process works. What, what does this signify? Is there, actually, is there anyone in America who understands how it works as well? Because there are 302 days to go... <laughs> As we broadcast <laughs> on the 7th of January, 302 days to go until the election. That's yeah. 300. Now, if you mention the number 302 to most British people, like me, they'd probably say, well, that's West Indian stylist Lawrence Rowe's highest test match score. But Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. Two other people, of course. Uh, 302 is, well, it's the year that Gregory the Illuminator was consecrated as the Patriarch of Armenia. I mean, it's, it's interesting to think what that sentence would have been before the invention of the internet, Andy. <laughs> it would have been uh, just a pause. I would have just been twiddling a pen. 302 days. And now, how can America stand 300 days of electioneering? And in Britain, we get three weeks, by which on the entire nation is standing on a high ledge, screaming, someone, please, just make the wittering stop. Because America wants to enjoy its election, Andy. It's like a fine meal. You don't wolf it down in one go. <laughs> You, you you have a little bite of something, have a conversation, enjoy another little bite of something and then have another course. Britain doesn't know how to do democracy, Andy. John, that's a bit rich from someone who, on New Year's Eve, I saw a look at a steak tartare with a mixture of fear and apprehension as to what the future held <laughs> and push it gently to the side of his plate. Yeah, bu buglers should know that uh, I, I went to Andy's house for uh, New Year's Eve and... Andy likes serving adventurous food. <laughs> it was, there are a couple of adventures too far for mm. John Oliver there. Steak tartare being amongst them. It just needs cooking. Anyway, when it comes to culinary adventures, you're very much Captain Scott's friend who said, I'll tell you what, guys, I'm going to stay on the boat. <laughs> who lived to tell the tale. <laughs> but the corker system is a little difficult to get your head around. Essentially, neighbours gather together in town halls and often people's houses and talk for an evening before voting on their candidate of choice. It's like selecting your leader with a tea party. And I'm amazed that hasn't caught on in Britain. What better representative sample of one of the most multicultural nations on Earth than Iowa? The mood of the nation set by less than 300,000 white Protestant farmers. <laughs> it's an up-close and personal form of politics this, Andy. Candidates are forced to go to all corners of Iowa and New Hampshire and often go door-to-door -door campaigning. This really separates the men from the other men. <laughs> How badly do you want to be president, Andy? Will you sit through some 73-year-old man's diatribe against Mexicans and how the moon landing was faked whilst pretending to like his wife's homemade corn muffins? Do you really want this job? Many have fallen at this stage. Roosevelt once proclaimed a homemade peach cobbler like eating a decaying pigeon before demonstrating exactly where the lady could stick her vote. That took a lot of coming back from. Well, he came back from it, John, and that's, that's the important thing, albeit he never walked again. It has thrown up some big shocks, though, the Iowa caucus, and the breakthrough candidate in recent weeks has been Mike Huckabee, who has struck a chord with his progressive ideas, amongst them the fact that he doesn't believe in evolution, thinks people with AIDS should essentially be imprisoned, and has equated homosexuality with necrophilia. Is Huckabee going to have the funds to go all the way, John? Because it does cost more, according to reports, to run a US election campaign than it would to send a life-size replica of Mexico to Saturn. <laughs> 
I believe that that's one of Tom Tancredo's promises, if elected. <laughs> He's trying different formats uh, in terms of gaining support. Like, uh, he was joined on stage uh, throughout the Iowa uh, campaigning by Chuck Norris. Now, <laughs> you might be thinking, oh, well, there must be another Chuck Norris, maybe a professor of politics somewhere or a lesser-known senator. There's no way he'd take a kung fu star on stage with him in a presidential primary. Well, I'm afraid you're wrong. It's that Chuck Norris from Way of the Dragon and Silent Rage, him. I hear he is being lined up for a post as the Secretary of State, should Huckabee win. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, he might just pack a bit more uh, bit more punch than uh, Condoleezza Rice. Well, really? That is spoken like a true man who has never seen Condoleezza Rice punch a wall. Now, I was very sad to see that uh, Christopher Dodd's campaign is already over. Uh, yes. What's, what has he brought to the party? Well, I mean, it's hard to say. I guess the most memorable moment uh, of Chris Dodds in the uh, US election so far was that a fly landed on his head at uh, during one of the debates, and it stayed there. And he's got very white hair. <laughs> Unfortunately, during, I can't even remember what he was talking it's about. It's hard to see how anyone could come back from something like that in this day and age. So much about image. It was just It just stayed on his head, this little fly, and... Whatever he was talking about at the time, he just thought, oh, look, there's a fly on Chris Dodd's head. Really? And at that point, I thought, that man is never going to be president. Yeah. What chance does Michael Dukakis have this time? I always thought he deserved a crack at the big one. Well, yeah, I mean, as much chance as he had last time. Is he still alive? Dukakis? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you what, Andy, do you want this to be the first challenge of the new year? Is Dukakis still alive? What, do we want our listeners who have outsighted Dukakis? Can, can you confirm whether or not... Michael Dukakis exists. No, this is this is me and you, Andy. Man, right. oh man. Dukakis, alive or dead? Your call. Call it. Like heads or tails. I think he's still alive. OK, I'll take dead. Right. Tom, the producer. Come on. Is on the job. Oh, God, I can't, no. Hold on. I, I, I don't want to be... I don't want to be saying, come on, Dukakis. Cork it. What's the news? Dukakis, living or buried? He's alive! No, Dukakis, no. very much still breathing in oxygen. Aged oh. 74, doesn't oh, look no. a day older. Bad start. Bad news for John Oliver, good <laughs> news for the Dukakis family. <laughs> so if there's anyone else in the world of world politics you'd like John and I to speculate on whether or not they still exist, just email in to thebugle at timesonline.co.uk and we will trivialise the lives of people who've achieved far more than either of us ever will. <laughs> But of course, in 2008, it's not just America that is enjoying the fruits of democracy. It's the year of the vote around the world, but it's not started very well. Uh, the Pakistani election has already been postponed. The outcome of the Kenyan election is being very vigorously disputed. All in all, democracy is taking an old-fashioned shooing all around the world. The Malaysian health minister has had to resign after being caught uh, starring in a pornographic video. The Honduran foreign minister has quit after being caught drink-driving. John, do you think there will still be any democracy by the end of the year? Well, I think democracy is going perfectly well around the world, Andy. That is, if you're watching the West Wing and not the news. <laughs> Otherwise, it is a typhoon of shit. <laughs> it's not looking good for democracy at the moment. I mean, Benazir Bhutto was assassinated, of course, with seemingly depressing inevitability. Although, in terms of the investigation, it's good that the British police are now involved. Um, Musharraf made a request to Scotland Yard for a team of detectives, and uh, his request was granted.
We've actually performed similar services to Pakistan in the past with uh, investigations over the assassinations of Prime Minister Ali Khan in 1951 and Matata Bhutto in 1996. Neither case has been fully resolved. So it's nice of Pakistan to give us another chance, presumably under the third time lucky principle. Yeah, well, yeah, although three strikes and we are out. And it's also mm -hmm. good as well that um, Pakistan has remembered in this time of crisis the role that Britain played in leaving it in the mess which it currently yeah. faces. Uh, so it's only right that we should uh, play a part in trying to fix at least a small part of that mess. You could say that of almost any nation on the <laughs> earth, though, Andy. <laughs> Kenya, that was that was ours. <laughs> that was ours. This is the worst thing since declaring independence. We left that in a real, real mess as well. But the, the PPP is now being headed by Bhutto's 19-year-old son, uh, who is currently a student at Oxford University. And you know, teenagers do think they can do anything. This will be an interesting experiment into whether they're right or not. <laughs> I mean, do you think you could have united a turbulent country at 19, Andy? Well, John, I, I was a student at Oxford when I was 19, and right. to be honest, I struggled to get myself dressed in the morning. <laughs> so I think running a country would have been a big task, or, and probably a task that I would have done half-dressed, if at all. <laughs> to do that you know, certainly would have been a great thing to have on your CV. Yeah. Now, I see here, under other experience, that you pulled Pakistan back from the brink of chaos. <laughs> do you have any other hobbies? But, you know, you sign up for all kinds of things when you first get to university, don't you? Join the film society, never really watch any films. I signed up to uh, be leader of Pakistan. So, in terms of democracy, perhaps we can turn to the success story of Africa for a smooth, simple election. Whoops! No. <laughs> Opposition leader Mr Odinga refused to tell people to calm down in Kenya, saying, I refuse to be asked to give the Kenyan people an anaesthetic so that they can be raped. <laughs> Which is interesting, I suppose. Lucky, then, that he's not being asked to administer a rape anaesthetic to his people. He's just being asked to tell them to calm down. Should the issue of rape anaesthetics ever arise, now we know what his position is. But for now, a simple calm down will suffice. Has he ever worked as a doctor? What a maverick one. Other African nations look to Kenya to set an example, and in with Angola, Malawi and Ghana all set for elections in the next 18 months. Africa's already unstable future is looking even unstablier. And the Foreign Office in Britain finally warned against non-essential travel, plunging hundreds of holidays into chaos. And that's the real tragedy, of course, here, Andy, that rich white tourists won't be able to chase after a leopard in a jeep. <laughs> Their story is not being told here, and I intend to tell it. The Foreign Office advice triggered a rush of radio phone-ins in Britain about to what extent travel insurance would cover this lost holiday. And it takes real balls to hold a phone-in about safari travel insurance the day after children have been burnt to death in a church. <laughs> Real balls. Pope appoints exorcists. In other news, the Pope has ordered his bishops to set up exorcism squads to combat a rise in Satanism. Who said the church wasn't relevant anymore? <laughs> it's, uh, the Vatican chiefs are so concerned at the uh, perceived interest in the occult they are fighting occult with occult, just to You're kind of get everyone's feet back on the ground, just believing in good old-fashioned Jesus Christ again. Each bishop has been told to have in his diocese a number of priests trained to fight demonic possession, and that is a relief, because it's a good deterrent. It's like a burglar alarm. <laughs> it just deters demons from trying to possess you. I believe he's going to demand that every town has a vampire slayer as well. <laughs> good for him. 
Uh, the Vatican's exorcist-in-chief, Father Gabriel Amorth, lamented the fact that, and I quote, you have to search high and low for a properly trained exorcist. That is so true. But they're very hard to come by a good exorcist these days, John. I looked through the yellow pages the other day because uh, we thought for a while that uh, our little daughter might have uh, might have been possessed yeah. by the devil, it turns out. <laughs> she just had a cough. But we're trying to get an exorcist. There's no independent board that, that regulates exorcists in Britain. You know, they've all got these fake certificates. You don't know who to trust anymore. I would like the Catholic Church to go further than this and set up online exorcisms and a kind of NHS Direct-style exorcism <laughs> phone service from a right. call centre in Rome. Do you think they could talk you through your own home-based exorcism then, just saying, well, just waggle some rosemary around and chant? Yes, yeah, kind of like an emergency tracheotomy, which we've all done at some point or other. So I don't think yeah. an exorcism can be that much more difficult. Father Gabriel also went on to say, Thanks be to God, we have a Pope who has decided to fight the devil head-on. That is a pay-per-view I would pay to view. <laughs> the Pope versus the devil. In a cage match, two things enter, one thing leaves. <laughs> uh, it's just been so much trash-talking over the years, though, hasn't it? You know, centuries and centuries. I wonder if the Pope's getting a bit cocky, though, now that uh, he's signed up Tony Blair. I mean, big money transfer. I know Blair's... Kind of like Beckham joining LA Galaxy. Yeah, he's at the end of his career, but he's still a big name. Yeah, he's a big and, name. And, uh, you know, the post just been a bit jaunty since then. Hugo Birthdays! <laughs> and this year, 2008, it's happy 60th birthday to the National Health Service. Oh, happy birthday! Many happy returns! Uh, amongst the planned celebrations are a celebrity concert at which world's famous stars of pop and rock are singing special songs about their experiences with the NHS, um, including Elton John's hit single, I went to see my GP with back pains. Turned out I had an abdominal cyst. <laughs> it's to the tune of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Uh, John, what are you getting the NHS for its birthday? Well, I've already bought the NHS a present, Andy. Um, I've bought it my taxes again this year. <laughs> It's a bit samey, but uh, it seems to like it and need it. I bought it a digital photo frame. You know one of these things you get where you, oh, yeah. you put... Oh, yeah. So it can put all its favourite x-rays right. on a little rotation. That's nice. Yeah. But yet, 60 years old this year, Andy. Just five years from its inevitable forced retirement. <laughs> and it doesn't look 60. It looks 104. <laughs> Has it really been 60 years since Nye Bevan held the NHS in his arms? What a proud father he was that day, Andy. And how proud he'd be now of his decaying, crumbling, underfunded child. <laughs> People uh, have queued up to wish the NHS well. Actually, I think many of the longest queues were for vital surgery, but I'm sure <laughs> they wish the NHS well too. In fact, they might wish it well the most. NHS, uh, still uh, in American sports parlance, uh, batting over 500 in terms of... Uh, saves to deaths. As long as you've got more than a half chance of coming out alive from the hospital, I think we'd all take that, John. I think you'd take that. And amongst famous people to have used the NHS are Mick Jagger and Ian Botham. Of course, not just the NHS celebrating birthdays. In fact, Joan of Arc would have been 596 yesterday had she not died 577 years ago. So happy birthday, Joan. And Happy birthday, Joan! <laughs> I believe the French claimed that uh, Joan of Arc's death was in fact a birthday celebration gone wrong. <laughs> it was, yeah. Blow it out, Joan! Make a wish! <laughs>
Now, your emails! Thank you for continuing to send in a cavalcade of spectacular emails, from which here is a selection. Gabriel Reed sent in perhaps the most alarming email we've received since the last edition of The Bugle on the subject of hotties in history. Can I just state that this does seem now to have, as I feared at the time, acquired a momentum of its own. (laughs) Brace yourselves, listeners, for what Gabriel has to say. I would like to bring up for your consideration a hottie from history that I think is often overlooked. Margaret Thatcher. No, come on, no way! Not so much the whole package, brackets, which I might add wasn't too shabby. But just a single <laughs> part of it. It was too her. shabby. It was too shabby. John, I think you're allowing your dis- disagreement with her political policies to overshadow an objective assessment of her womanly virtues. But just nauseous. a single part of her, writes Gabriel, her elbows. I was one of those lucky enough to see her sunning herself at Burlingap Beach in 1989. <laughs> and I can honestly say she instituted a poll tax in my pants. What, what a run of absolutely reprehensible mental images to place into people's minds. Gabriel, I hope your parents are proud of you. But in uh, honour of all of you who've sent in your hotties from history, next week we will be beginning a special... Pirelli-style calendar of hotties from history at the suggestion of Tom, our producer. No, we won't. No, we, <laughs> we won't will, be doing John. that. We no, we won't be doing we that. We will. That is something we won't be doing. It's so. something we will be doing. So if you've got any recommendations for who should be Miss January or Mr January, let's keep this open to send them in. All right, let's do that. That does sound fair. <laughs> Mr and Mrs January, we'll do this all year. Also, technically, we can't allow Thatcher because the hotties from history are supposed to be dead. Otherwise, it's creepy. For those of you uh, who have written in with great concern that John was caught uh, on YouTube smoking a cigarette, we have checked the offending footage, and it remains ambiguous to me, John. It's not ambiguous. It's not ambiguous. It was absolutely not smoking, Andy. There is nothing in my hand. I I can't believe we're getting dragged down. If If you freeze it, you'll see there's nothing in my hand. I'm just, I'm miming a cigarette due to a point I was making. It was probably a good point about something, <laughs> statistically. And you usually um, back those up with mimes of smoking. Yeah, because if I ever make a good point, I mime smoking. <laughs> it's just a reflex. If you make a really um, good point, do you go for the big cigar or maybe a pipe? Absolutely, I go for the big cigar, and if I make an incredible point, of course, it's the pipe. Right. What about the hookah? Do you ever get that out? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never made a point that good. <laughs> Testify. Love the word hookah. <laughs> we'll never know one way or the other whether John was or wasn't we will. smoking until. Take my word for maybe, it. Maybe. Well, let's see if you've died of lung cancer at some point in the next 80 years and then we'll judge. Okay. So keep listening. Uh, my favourite email, Andy, was the first and only supporter of your audio crossword. Uh, it says, <laughs> Dear John and Andy, as a loyal bugle listener uh, these many weeks, I'm deeply concerned about the future of your pioneering audio cryptic crossword. It seems that John is not very keen on continuing the crossword into 2008. It does seem that way, because that is the case. <laughs> I'm not keen on doing it. But please let me tell you what the audio cryptic crossword means to your listeners. Well, it means nothing. <laughs> Anyway, it I don't means to... everything, John. It does not mean everything. It means <laughs> literally nothing. The bugle, in its current form, is all things to all people. It's wit- I can't even re- I can't read out the compliments. <laughs> they make me feel weird. Uh, uh, but it's just, uh, if if you were to eliminate the audio cryptic crossword, however, the bugle would be all things to only about ninety nine point eight seven two percent of all people. For the remaining naught point one two eight percent of us. Well done. Uh, the bugle would be incomplete. If it would make John happy, you could move the crossword to the straight-in-the-bin section. That would make me happy. 
That way, those of us who still want to do the crossword could pull it out of the bin, brush off the audio coffee grinds, and work around the stains. <laughs> Andy, keep up the good work. Sherry Garfio from Denver. Oh, doesn't that explain Th- it Thanks all? for your support, Sherry. Thanks for your support. Well, not not like. only am I going to stick with the audio cryptic crossword, but I'm thinking of expanding it and introducing an audio Sudoku as well. This, uh, finally, time for one quick uh, email. This is from Derek Crosby. And he writes, Dear gents, who do you think would win in a fight? A tag team of Benjamin Disraeli and Ian Paisley? Or a tag team of Stonewall Jackson and Abraham? I'm very much going with the Disraeli-Paisley team on the ground. Oh, interesting. Paisley right. is the only one still alive. So do keep your emails coming in, thebugle at timesonline.co.uk. And because so many have been coming in, uh, we will be instituting a Bugle blog to accompany the podcast, which will contain the best of the rest of the emails that we didn't have time for in the show with our responses to them. So keep them coming in, the bugle at timesonline.co.uk. Sport now. And it's the start of a new year, and Europe is all a flutter at the prospect of it being a European Championship year. The European Football Championships will happen in Switzerland and Austria in the summer. Who do you think is going to win, John? Me, for me, it's got to be England. I know it's my heart ruling my head, but surely with this such a talented group of players and a really yeah. good new manager in Capello, they're going to yeah. be very hard to beat. Got to be England, Andy. I'll be supporting England wholeheartedly from over here. England for Euro 2008. Don't listen to what the critics say. Believe in your team. We can't naysay at this stage. They can do it. Um, What other predictions do you have for the sporting year? Well, I mean, in terms of the next sport to be rocked by a drug scandal, um, cricket, Andy. I think cricket is going to uh, be rocked by a drug scandal. I think it's going to turn out they're all on tranquilizers. Not watching Jack Callis bat. Jack Callis, he just seems overly calm. So I think the uh, average level of uh, strenuousness of denial will rise to a record level of 2.3 Landis's. That is the new official unit of measurement for how strenuously you deny taking drugs. And I think the Olympics Olympics are really going to push that up as well. Also in the Olympics, I think one thing we can confidently predict is that Britain will give a flying f*** about rowing for about two days. Correct. Let's hope uh, in 2008 that the Miami Dolphins can go yes. one step further than they managed in 2007 Absolutely. when they choked so close so to their close. historic season. Oh. History beckons, and as always, it's just it's one thing to get there; it's another thing to finish it off. And the Dolphins sadly won a game. Uh, I hear the um, NFL so uh, encouraged by the Bugles' championing of for the Miami Dolphins that they're introducing playoffs for the worst teams in the league. Next year, That's a good idea. That's they're going to have a, a shit bowl on the day before the Super Bowl <laughs> to work out who is the worst team. Phenomenal idea! <laughs> it really should be a bowl of shit. The prize as well. <laughs> the franchise owner has to hoist over his head. Yeah. <laughs> and now it's time for the aforementioned bugle audio cryptic crossword section, a section which has won more awards than the lot of you put together in the audio cryptic crossword field. The more eagle-eared listeners amongst you will have noticed that in issue 10 of The Bugle we actually repeated a clue from earlier in the series. This was due to a technical (laughs) error in which the last five minutes of the last recording were wiped off the tape before... Uh, No one noticed. 
Well, actually, no, no one, one noticed, noticed John. No one has told us they noticed. I think people were probably a little embarrassed to say, hang on, guys, we already had this clue a few weeks ago. They probably thought, look, it's Christmas. They're probably having a terrible time, feeling awfully guilty about it. <laughs> Let's not rub it in. People don't care. How, how more look, clear can it be? No one wants the audio crossword. John, the audio cryptic crossword is like freedom, John. You don't appreciate it until it's gone. You don't know how important Try me. it is. Try me just for one week. So anyway, here is the clue that you should have got last time. Pay attention. That includes you, John. Have you got any of them right so far? Oh, I haven't even thought about it. You approach Methinks the lady doth protest too much. It's 25 across. It's seven letters long split into two words of two and five. And the clue is, working on time leads to headless Blair being overthrown and facing justice. Two five. Your cynicism tires me, John. And finally, the Bugle forecast this week, a fashion forecast. I'll predict this week we're going to see a lot of people wearing trousers. Trousers are really going to maintain their comeback. They're going to, you know, they're a solid item of clothing, very seldom let you down. Well, I think we're going to see a lot of flip-flops around. In the winter. One ironically. <laughs> well, that's it for the first Bugle of 2008. So we'll be back next week. Keep your emails coming in to thebugleattimesonline.co.uk, particularly those hotties from history. No, not particularly those. <laughs> anyway, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. And uh, maybe a preemptive hello for next week. <laughs> <laughs>